0: Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing reasons we might feel disembodied. disembodied is a fancy word. It means that you feel like your head or your mind is totally disconnected from the rest of your body. If you know the word dissociative, it's the feeling of mind and body not being associated with one another. I want you to know that if you feel this way, it's healable. The reasons that we might develop feeling disembodied The first one I have for you is growing up in a high-tension home. In a high-tension home, high-tension gets normalized. So we wake up, it's tense. During the day, it's tense. At night, it's tense. Life is sort of tension, 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 tension. It's almost like our bodies hit a satiation point, a fullness point. It's as if the body says, I just can't feel any more tension, so let's stop feeling. Many people who feel disembodied report that they overthink. It really is as if they spend way too much time in the head and don't know how to spend time in the body. Understanding is an important part of the healing process because when we're feeling disembodied, it can feel really, really crazy. In my own life, I didn't understand why I couldn't think and make my body move. I used to watch dancers on TV and be absolutely perplexed at how they could make their leg go up in the air like that or control their toes to point. I could think and think and think, but it was as if my brain wouldn't connect to my body. So it's as if the brain makes a decision that says, let's just go numb from the neck down. And we'll just overthink and overthink and overthink, and we'll be in that space instead of feeling our bodies. Another reason we can feel disembodied is if we were abused, particularly sexually abused as a child. This dynamic is strongest if it's not a one-time event, if it's multiple times and multiple people, multiple incidents our brilliant brain that is trying to look out for us, it's trying to take care of us when we're experiencing very uncomfortable things, it's as if the brain says, you know what, if this kind of abuse is happening, if this kind of ickiness is happening regularly, let's kind of check out. I'm not going to make us feel this anymore. So what I can suggest here is that the task at hand for our healing is to learn how to hold space for the inner child, so that the inner child can start to feel things. And that inner child, my inner child, wasn't ever going to allow my body to feel things unless I gave my inner child the message, hey, sweet girl, it's now safe to feel. It really wasn't for a long time. But now it is because grown-up me has us in a safer environment. Grown-up me is taking care of things. I have to let her know on the healing journey that it's now my job to take care of things and that it's safe and that I will continue to keep her safe by making good decisions, healthy decisions, wise decisions, non-chaotic decisions. We can't just offer ourselves healthy messages. We have to also let our psyche, our inner child, witness our grown-up selves doing the healthy things, not just saying the words. As the inner child accepts from your consistency of care that you are there for her, that you are safe, the mind and the body can then begin to communicate again. Another reason we might feel this disconnection between mind and body is if we were raised in authoritarian households or if we were raised with parents that had some OCD, some obsessive compulsive disorder messaging. And the best way I can describe this simply is that the child needs to be childlike for proper neurological development. Now, what does that mean, that the child needs to be childlike for proper neurological development? Have you ever seen a kid like a two to eight or nine-year-old, do you ever see a child and witness them in their body? A child that is playing and really embodied, they have so much movement. We might even laugh and think it looks silly and and kind of precious to witness that. But that movement, that with my five-year-old niece, I tell her, oh, you're silly goosing around and we go and we silly goose and we be silly and we move in our bodies. We make funny faces. We make funny movements, silly walks. What's happening there is the body and the mind are working together to communicate and and to integrate that learning in a very similar way that we know wild animals and our, our pets, our domestic animals, they play bite, right? If you've ever had a puppy or if you've ever watched a nature documentary of lions or wild cats or hyenas, we see them play. We see them play hunt. We see them play bite. They play growl. They're not just doing that because it's fun. They're doing that because their system, their mind, and their body are practicing for survival and hunting later as an adult. A human child's body moves a lot, which neurologically programs the mind and body to relate, to work together To communicate with one another so my parenting was very authoritarian and that's controlling demanding that we obey in my household I had to obey and be the perfect little contained child in my body if I acted out or moved in that natural childlike way in public I knew that I was going to get beaten by a belt when I got home or I was going to be slapped across the face when we got into the car or I would have someone scream, spittle an inch from my face by an enraged mother. At best, I would be put in the corner for a pretty long time. So my mind learned very quickly that I better be contained and not move. Another reason we can become disembodied If we grow up and give or see adults giving way too much attention to overeating or undereating, we can become disembodied. When we eat to get comfort until we're over full, what we're doing in the relationship between our mind and body is we're overriding the body's signal, the body's communication that says, ooh, that's enough food, that's too much, or that's too much sugar, so what we teach the body is, I ignore you, and I put food on top of these feelings. We all know the phrase eating our feelings. There's also some evidence that empaths feel the most grounded when we eat protein. So if we struggle to be embodied, that food in our stomach, that helps us feel weighted. It helps us feel grounded If we feel untethered, the more anxious that we get, then that the heaviness of food can make us feel safer. So sometimes those messages that we grow up around food really impact how we feel about our bodies. If we were also raised with under eaters and messaging of under eating, then the communication between mind and body gets sort of hijacked. When we eat Our good feelings come from feeling satiated, from feeling full, from eating a healthy amount of a balanced meal. There's a satisfaction that we feel in our bodies. For people who restrict and under eat, it's as if that satisfaction moves from the gut, the belly, the body to the control of not eating instead of to the feeling of eating healthily. When we practice ignoring our bodies over and over again, it's just like in real life. If I talk to you about something and talk to you about something and talk to you about something and you don't listen over and over and over again, I'm likely to hit a point where I stop talking. Well, the communication between mind and body sort of gives up too after a while. And it's not that any person on the earth ever sits down and consciously thinks, you know what? I just want my mind and body to stop communicating. Let's make that happen. This is not a conscious thing that any of us have ever really done. These things develop because we're trying to manage discomfort. This is part of why I'm on this microphone attempting to give emotional education the nuance of what it is to be a human and understand ourselves, our feelings, our bodies, our mind, how we relate, how we get triggered in this world. Why and how to unravel that so that we no longer need to be so triggered. I think it's one of the greatest tragedies of the modern era that goes unnamed that we continue to grow generation after generation, not really diving deeply into understanding our human emotional experience, not really giving younger generations while we give ourselves at whatever age we are healthier and healthier emotional coping and emotional strategies for getting through this life that is often challenging, often confusing, and often overwhelming. So healing, whatever modalities we're using for our healing, yoga, meditation, talk therapy, emotional coaching, reading books, knowledge, this podcast and others, what we're doing when we're healing is in some ways encouraging and inviting and leaning into reigniting this conversation between mind and body that was so natural when we were born. That was so natural when we were little. Before our body learned discomfort or fear without appropriate coping. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply Search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. The last reason that I'm going to talk about that you might feel disembodied is if you grew up kind of like a lone wolf, if you were neglected, if you felt invisible or unimportant. One of the truths about my story, and I've certainly met many, many survivors with that would say exactly the same story, is that through my teenage years and early 20s, I could not feel that I was dehydrated. So I would go way too long not drinking anything. I was often lightheaded and woozy. I passed out quite easily. I'd get car sick. I don't know what that did to my organs, to my body, to my thinking, to my reactivity, to my sleep, to my brain development. That's a very simple thing. But many, many, many people who grew up feeling unimportant wind up feeling disembodied, disconnected, and may not even be able to feel very simple things that we mostly take for granted Like being able to feel the cue of, hey, your body's really thirsty, you might want to go get a glass of water. So there are lots of interesting implications to this. And part of the implication is I used to feel so stupid and so down on myself because people around me, of course, did not understand this dynamic. I didn't understand this dynamic. So the feedback I'd get a lot of times from what was supposed to be my support network was, What's wrong with you? Like, if you have a headache, go drink a glass of water. Why won't you go drink a glass of water? And when they would say it, I'd go, oh, and then go drink. But I didn't have a natural cue inside of me that said to go drink water. It made me feel crazy and so broken and like something was so wrong with me because I couldn't explain it to myself. So I didn't have a shot explaining it to anybody around me. This is slow work. To become embodied when we've lived a long time disembodied, but it is very, very possible to heal. And I will go as far as to say, if you intend to do this work and stick with it, I believe that anyone can heal this and feel embodied no matter what has happened to your mind or to your body that taught it that it was better to be disembodied than engaged and embodied. This is not an exhaustive list. But I'm going to stop here. This might be a whole new way to think about your own mind and body that they communicate, that they relate now and always have. I can offer today some things to think about, maybe to meditate on or to journal out if something really sparked you. Can the mind encourage the body? Can the body encourage the mind? To those of you who feel the impulse to cut or to binge or to self-harm in direct ways, what communication is happening between mind and body in those moments? Are you willing to allow them to have a different conversation? Are you willing to allow mind and body to have a healthier conversation? What happens if I thank my body and my mind for figuring out brilliant ways to block or minimize or ignore pain way back then? Thank you for trying to take care of me. I appreciate it so much. I had no idea you were trying to take care of me in this way. What job description would you assign to your mind right now? What job do you think your mind has taken on in the past? What job description would you assign to your body right now? And again, what job has your body had in the past? Could these job descriptions be made more satisfying? How? So I hope there's something in this episode that helps you understand yourself with more grace, more compassion, more understanding for maybe where you've been and what you've experienced, maybe why you are experiencing some things that you may be experiencing now, and how you can start to sit with some of these new ideas to allow yourself to repair this relationship, to honor that mind and body very much need to have a connection, a relationship. Even just sitting very still and putting hand over heart, hand on belly, and taking a breath. That is a communication. The breath is the bridge between mind and body. Because I know a lot of you out there went, okay, all right, okay, this resonates with me, but what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? When we've been disembodied, we lean overthinking because we spend too much time in the head. So notice that in this moment, that that overthinking brain wants to figure it out and figure it out and figure it out. The body is about just being. It's really about embodying the human being instead of a human doing. So a hand on the heart and a hand on the belly, that can be a very powerful tool. Taking that breath, getting still, giving the mind and the body a beat to go, oh yeah, wait, Maybe we do want to have a conversation. Oh, that's right. We might be old friends. Let's connect. We're here for one another. This is in part why we can't heal while we're living at 100,000 miles an hour internally and or externally. This conversation happens when we slow down. I want to tell you about a new thing that we're doing. We now have an opportunity to hear your voice on the show. We have a new shout-out feature on the website where you can get heard on the show. You can leave a shout-out for you or somebody else. You have 90 seconds to come tell us how much you love the show. Head on over to the contact page on our website at emotionalbadass.com. You can leave us a voice message to share what's it been like to be a listener of the show. What's changed for you since you've been listening? Whatever you would like to say about the show, about how you use it, about how you've grown, we'd love to hear from you. We may choose your voice recording, if you choose to leave one, to share on the show. Me and the team, we get so many messages of what the show means to people, what it feels like to finally figure out that you're highly sensitive to feel grounded, to feel a part of a tribe when so many of us have felt alone and spinning and so different and weird and strange on this planet. We've even felt alien. So to find out that we're not and there's a whole tribe of us, I can't overestimate how powerful just that little bit of information is to be able to connect those dots and then exhale with more peace. As I invite you all to share your experience of the show, I think a lot of you out there would like hearing what me and the team get to see that comes in through messaging and social media. You can find that at emotionalbadass.com under the contact tab. If this was any other show, they'd cut to commercials right now, and we know you don't want to hear those commercials, so the way that we get away as a podcast that's been around for years now without doing the annoying commercials that we know you don't want to hear is because of those of you who support us on Patreon. Now, Patreon, it, it's not Facebook, y'all. Patreon is a space that I offer where people come to heal, to talk about their growth, to be curious, to ask questions, to expand, and to find empowerment one of the things that we do for you when you show up to support us and we're supporting you, getting this show out all over the world, we so value you, thank you, is we give you a shout out. So I want to thank these Patreon producers of the show that keep the show commercial free. I want to thank Carrie, Zillions, Gwyneth, Aubriana. Hi, Aubrey. I want to thank Sarah, Greg, Christy. I want to thank, I think I'm saying this right, Kylan. Amber, Amanda, Janelle, Rachel, Lori, Dawn, Maggie, Amanda, Kelly, and Lost But Learning. We do give you an opportunity, just like Lost But Learning did, to tell us how you want us to share your name. I want to thank all of you that are out there being the change in the world, being open to challenging yourself, to growing beyond our human egos that all of us have to live with more kindness for yourself and for others, more compassion, more unconditional positive regard. I am all about personal responsibility because I believe that personal responsibility is what ultimately provides the most freedom for us, internally and externally. When you do this work, you give other people in the world subconscious permission to lean in and be brave. It's so brave to change. It's so brave to evolve past our younger selves, to learn more wisdom and to live from that place of wisdom. When we do that, we honor the mistakes that we've made, that were so hard earned. And when we live and make decisions from that hard earned wisdom, as hard as life is and will continue to be, it does get easier, more satisfying, more peaceful, we have more joy and lightness this is why i do the show i suspect it's why you listen we have some great interviews coming up and just so much for you in this 2022 year light and love i'm an emotional badass you're an emotional badass and together we are where moxie meets mindful we'll see you right here next time Bye bye